three, two, one. Hello and welcome back to Three Guys Talk About Football. I am one third of your hosting crew, Wes Tollison. I am joined, as always, from College Station, Stillwater, Oklahoma, respectively, by Walker Lott and Ryan Troder. Um, guys, second week of district, a lot of shakeup, as is reflected in our rankings. Walker, I'll go with you first, out of sympathy for a ten and seven pick record last week. Your thoughts on uh on that that interesting outing, but more importantly, private school football in its current state. Yeah, I was gonna tell you, I was like, man, not a good week, man, not a good week. Uh, it was just kind of, you know, just I picked the wrong schools. I kind of, you know, was a little trying to be a little fancy with it. You know, sometimes you got got to be fancy and you just got to run the football, get the right picks in. And uh, that's just not what I did last week. Run the football. What Texas A&M should have done on the two yard line for the win against Alabama. Ryan Schroeder, your thoughts on last week's uh, events in private school football? Yeah, honestly, I. I mean, let's be honest, y'all. I just tail Wes on every pick. Y'all y'all better know this at this point. I'm tailing Wes on every pick for the rest <laughs> of the year. And I'll have like that one sneaky pick in like week week like uh nine or ten and it's gonna go it's, it's gonna tie us. And then I'm and then when it's a tie, I just keep the trophy, right? Uh we're gonna flip a coin or something oh, for it. We'll figure that yeah. out. I don't know. I think it's just stay in the winner's winner's house. But yeah, honestly, it was it was what's called. It was a good week and uh 14-3, I'm not upset with it all, so I'm happy with that. Yeah, this is just like a NASCAR race, and Ryan is just drifting off of me trying to stay away from the win. He's going to try to slingshot out the last second. I'm not going to let him because I'm an experienced driver. And now moving into, as always, the second segment, the Texas Private School Podcast Players of the Week and the Texas Private School Podcast Offensive Player of the Week, sophomore wide receiver from Liberty Christian Argyle, Brady Janicek. Brady had six catches, 110 receiving yards, two touchdowns receiving, and also had 113 rushing yards and three touchdowns there for 223 all-purpose yards and five touchdowns in a win against Fort Worth Christian. I mean, guys, Brady is proving himself to be one of the best in the 25 class and also one of the best receivers and athletes, period, in all of taps. Walker, you first. I mean, your thoughts on Brady Janicek's incredible effort against FWC. Wes, you did that. You you said it perfectly, man. I think Brady is one of the best receivers in the state, not just taps. I think in the state, man, this 25 wide receiver is for real and being able to like, they trust them enough, not just to catch the ball, right. You know, be a receiver that he's been dominating all year doing, but he also can rush the ball. Like you see in his stats, like that is nuts for how good of an athlete he is. You see the, the, uh, the production he has in the stat line, man. Congratulations to Brady Janusek for sure. One to watch for any coaches watching this. Um, He is the real deal. Without a doubt, Ryan, your thoughts on Brady Janusek's effort. So I was watching the live stream this past week and I just was just watching this behemoth of you know, he's, he's he says he's six three one ninety. He must have he must have gained a couple pounds and maybe an inch or two since he's last redone his bio because looked like a a man above like above children like he was like absolutely stomping through every ball he caught it just felt like he was like stronger than everybody else to get to the end zone powered his way through um i want to i feel like i'm gonna tune into another the another liberty game this week as well just because i want to see because i saw like two or three of the touchdowns and i thought to myself like that's kind of nuts but I just I want to watch more of the games. Actually, focus in on Janicek because he gets the ball almost like every dang play. It feels like for their offense. So you know, it's it's I, I feel like 
there's a lot to know from that guy. And if you if you're just watching him as a sophomore right now, imagine what he's going to be in two years as a senior. So yeah, yeah I don't, but- I, I want to say I remember us texting about it last night. He and you were telling us like updates, and he goes. And he goes, make that 28. Someone uh, that other guy scored. I was like, who's he? And then I was like, definitely Janusik. And then he just responded right back. He's like, yeah, Janusik. I was like, knew it. Like, that's how good of a player he is. You know, he's 100%. on there. He's just that type of dude, man. Yeah, without a doubt. So shout out to Brady Janusik, the Texas Private School Podcast Offensive Player of the Week. <clears throat> and now for the Texas Private School Podcast Defensive Player of the Week, senior athlete from St. Michael's Christian, Malachi Smith. Smith had 14 tackles, eight solo half a tackle for loss, and two interceptions, and both of these interceptions were returned for touchdowns, one for 33 yards, and one was a 99-yard interception return for a touchdown. Guys, I mean, just an absolutely insane stat line from a stellar athlete in Malachi Smith. Walker, your thoughts on Smith's just incredible performance? I mean, he's the real deal. We've said it for a very long time. The athlete is just, he's so versatile, so explosive. Um, Just, he's, he's the real deal, man. And I know any team in the in the state would want to be want him on their team because he's that type of player. He has that dog mentality too, where he just wants to go to work and just get that get the best result. Like he doesn't matter how it is, he just wants to win. And I, I really like that in a player. Like he just, you know, does what he needs to do, gets his job done. It's a business trip to him. And the the stats for speak for themselves. Carson Kruver must have him has all the has a lot of fun having him as the receiver, but also he can get the job done on the defensive side and be a lockdown quarter, which you saw to this past week. Um, I know they lost, but that's a, still a great performance by the 23 athlete. Congrats, Malachi. Yeah, for sure. Malachi certainly has that dog in him. Ryan, your thoughts on Malachi Smith. You know, it's funny. Some kids are going to be aspiring to hit a hundred yards in one game just by, you know, just like rushing or, or, or whether it be receiving or whatever. How about doing a hundred yards on just <laughs> interception returns alone? It's nuts. Uh, that's something that I bet you know a lot of people can't say they've done either in any Texas high school football capacity, whether it be private or public. Um, you know, Malachi Smith, that really is something. You know, we don't see two pick six a lot, and you don't see 14 tackles on top of that. Um, especially for a guy that plays two ways. So Malachi, what a heck of a night, man. And uh, yeah, no other person, you know can compete with a guy that literally, you know, took two pick sixes for more than a hundred yards back. So with that, and I love you bringing that up. That's such a crazy stat that he had over a hundred. He had, he had 120 yards in interception return. That that's absolutely crazy. Congratulations, Malachi Smith, the Texas private school podcast defensive player of the week. And now before we get into discussing last week's matchups, we're going to take a look at the TXPS media football scoreboard put together by Ryan every Friday. And just take a look here at any scores that pop out to us. One thing that I see St. Thomas drum Central Catholic in a game that they needed to win to establish themselves as one of the better teams in the state. Midland Christian gets a huge win over Fort Worth All Saints 28-26. Definitely watching the Mustangs moving forward. Bishop Dunn drums Coram Deo as expected. Fort Bend Christian destroys Lutheran South in a game that we will talk about here in a second. Um, Cypress Christian gets a nice win against Houston Christian. Kincaid destroyed St. Mark's. Parrish obviously dismantles Bishop Lynch. Austin Regents had a closer-than-expected game against Brownsville-St. Joseph's 38-28. to I mean, I think the spread on that game was probably closer to 25 or 30 points, but St. Joe's kept it close, and you got to wonder, Austin Regents is human. I mean, they are supposedly beatable, and we might see that, you know, at least earlier or later in playoffs. 
And then following that, John Cooper destroys Fort Worth Country Day. Not destroys, it's a 16-point uh, victory, if my math is correct. And then Brook Hill just blank Shelton. So, guys, I think it's... That's that 22. 22. Sorry, dude. I am i don't have Excel that's a, open. You know, that's... <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, uh, Ryan, you first, since you are, you're already calling me out. Anything else on this scoreboard stick out that you want to discuss? No, nah, I mean honestly, I think I think what the big one of the night was the St. Pius win over Concordia. I mean, I don't think any of us had that one when it came to our, all of us getting a loss on that slate. We all had Concordia, and you know Concordia had been winning a lot of games at that point, but that's a really really good St. Pius win at home against Concordia. And then obviously, I was watching I was watching the end of that fourth All Saints Midland Christian game. It came down to the wire. I mean, literally, uh, they scored with like less than like uh, 30 or maybe 45 seconds left in the game for with all saints. And they missed the two point conversion to tie to go to overtime. So really, really close battle. And that, and what is seen as the hardest district in all of taps. So yeah, the rest of the games though, um, kind of went according to what I thought it would have happened, but yeah, honestly, those, those two games specifically were the ones that I was, you know, just the most hyped up on surprised by. Definitely. So walk a lot, your thoughts on the scoreboard. Uh, I guess I'll go front to back or back to front. John Cooper, you know, were was close with Fort Worth Country Day at the half and then pulled away. So, you know, finally started playing their game. So that's very impressive by them. Yeah, the Austin Regents kind of feel like, hey, he got they got cut, you know, like a thousand cuts and they got that first cut and they're showing, hey, they actually do bleed. They're not they're you know not the invincible as the everyone thinks they might be. So that's very impressive. Uh, Temple Christian, the guys down in Fort Worth, I got to give love to those guys in the 817, uh, 6-0, I believe now, and that's a big times team. Uh, congrats to y'all, man. We're showing, hey, we're paying attention. Don't you worry. We're paying attention to y'all over there. Um, Parish Episcopal rolls in the district and does what we kind of expected them to do. I think like Sawyer threw five touchdowns in 24 minutes or something like that. I mean, I mean, that's what you expect. Holy cross. Very good win over Shiner St. Paul. Uh, and I think, uh, you know, TCA has a really tough non-district schedule, but hey, chat, well, I think this is their, hey, welcome back to uh, TAPS D1 moment with a big, big win for Prestonwood over them. Kind of be like, hey, this is, you had the rough schedule, but you're getting back in the district and this is how it is. And then um, the St. Thomas game, uh, Central kept it close at halftime, I believe, right, guys? And then Cardenas and company had a very good game to put the game away. Uh, but, hey, Central Catholic is, isn't is one to just go away easily. So uh, congrats to St. Thomas. But, yeah, and All Saints. I mean, All Saints losing, that's a big, big win for Midland Christian. Yeah, definitely so. So without a doubt, as always, a lot of interesting points to highlight from last week. But now we're going to transition into talking about five, actually technically six specific games that we highlighted. The first one being the game that I went to cover, which was Lutheran South at Fort Bend Christian, which ended up as a 49 to nothing win for the Fort Bend Christian Eagles. Fort Bend came out and executed exactly what they needed to Friday night. You know, we have traditionally talked about the elite Eagle offense, but I have to shout out the defense for them in this contest. Sophomore Max Granville, senior Connor Tallis, and junior Ivan Jimmy Ducksworth rained absolute hellfire down on the pioneer frontier all night long, and they resembled an anaconda the way they squeezed the life out of the LSA offense. That was great, now, man. I really dude, liked that. That was really good. <laughs> it's the best analogy I can come up with. I mean, they just absolutely squeezed the life out of LSA all night. Now, you have to credit the Eagle offense as well. Senior quarterback Brady Dever is still one of the best in the entire state and looked like it on Friday. Sophomore 
um, athlete, Kobe Sellers, is also going to become a household name in a very short time here. Already holding an offer from Texas Tech, he runs a 21-8, 200-meter as a sophomore, and that speed directly translates to the gridiron as he had three rushing touchdowns on the contest. Add in guys like Braylon Gardoni, Noah Brooks, who had two touchdowns, Tyler Curry, and 6'8", 3'10", Bennett Warren blocking up front. And Fort Bend Christian is still a front-runner for the best team in the South. I also need to mention for... For Lutheran South, um, junior running back Wesley Willingham and senior Jalen Lowry, who were both very impressive for LSA in the loss. So, guys, y'all don't need to speak as intensively on this game um, since y'all weren't there. But, Walker, you first. Your thoughts on Fort Bend Christian executing as needed against Lutheran South. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's a good win to start district for Fort Bend. You kind of expected them to do. I'm really excited. You know, I'm, I, we'll talk about it later, but I'm going to be down there to watch Fort Bend uh, Second Baptist this week. Um and I've heard a lot of buzz about, you know, the 25 Max Granville, 25 Kobe Sellers. But I'm excited to see that whole team like Bennett Warren, Brady Tever. I mean, our offensive player of the year last year. Um, big, good, good, good team. And I'm excited to watch them. But, hey, shout out to our guy, Jalen Lowry. You know, he's a really good player for LSA. And uh, Wesley Hill- Willingham. I saw the, some of the clips that Wes was tweeting. I mean, he, he's a big boy and runs strong. So, you, a big, big boy. Um and yeah, how was that quarterback West down there for that 2026 quarterback? He was good when he wasn't getting chased all around the field. I mean, he can, he, I didn't get a great sample to look at because he was pressured literally almost every single play. Right. I mean, he's going to be good. And obviously his future is in baseball, but it'll be interesting to see how long he sticks with football here. Ryan, your thoughts on Fort Bend blanking Lutheran South. Yeah, I think what I what I have to assume with this is just, you know, Fort Bend is just that team this year. They're one of the strong, strong suits in D2. However, I, you know, Lutheran South isn't a, isn't absolutely isn't a, isn't a team that I think is getting, you know, shut out. Right. Because, you know, they got a, a shutout win against Cyprus. They got a 10 point win against St. Michael's, a really good win against Houston Christian, only a seven point loss on the road to Concordia. Um, a team that honestly is, you know, playing really well this year. I don't think this Fort Bend loss is uh is one that I was truly expecting in that fashion. You know, I thought little Lutheran South and guys, um, and, and, you know, and and guys like Jalen Lowry and Wesley Willingham. You know, I thought maybe uh, you know, Lutheran South would have put up some numbers. But let let me say this: I just think that Fort Bend is just that team this year, and. And I think Fort Bend and Brady Dever, we had maybe some doubts about them coming into the season a little bit, but I, I think it's very, very clear to see that like this Fort Bend team is back in action and they're running the ship this year. Yeah. Well, we didn't have doubts about them coming into that. We were very high on them coming into the season. Then after weeks one through three, we kind of dipped a little bit. Now I think the curve's kind of coming back up and the hype train is starting to build a little bit more for Fort Bend Christian. But that is all we're going to discuss regarding that game. Moving into the second game, we're going to recap Grace Prep at Pantigo Christian. And Jalen Talton just goes off here and ultimately leads the Lions to a 39-34 to victory over the Panthers. Talton threw for 300 yards, four touchdowns, and no interceptions. Two of those touchdowns went to junior Caden Lehew. Talton also added 74 yards on the ground, whereas sophomore Bryce Prince led the Lions in that department with 113 yards on 25 carries with a touchdown. Ezra Pantigo, senior running back Noah Harbor, kept them in the game with 15 rushes for 140 yards and three touchdowns and also adding a receiving touchdown. I hope you all started him in fantasy because that's a crazy stat line. But, you know, Grace Prep gets a gets a big win here against an underrated Pantigo team. 
Walker, I mean, it's a win that the Lions needed to get, and it's one they ultimately got. Your thoughts on Grace Prep here? No, that's a big, big win for Grace Prep. Um, you know, that's a close game. You know, Pantico has a pretty good squad over there. We we talked about it on the space. Go listen to it every week. It's all a good time. Um, but you know, we talked about them really, really well. Uh, Grace Prep is a team to beat in Division Three. You know, Dallas Christian is still the front runner, but Grace Prep has a lot of good guys. You know, Jalen Talon had a great game. Uh, zero interceptions. That's big. You know, for a guy who loves to throw the ball, being able to not turn the ball over is very, very impressive. And uh, you know, Caden Lay, who is another guy who uh, we mentioned last time. Uh, and then yeah, I mean, I just Bryce Prince is a twenty twenty five guy. You know, they have Caleb Mathis, the the twenty four wide receiver we talked about last week. Um, and Pantigo, they have like, some guys, man, uh, that we're going to be interesting to watch to see how Pantigo does. Cause I could see this team, another matchup of this game in the playoffs is coming, uh, in what November, November, something around that Ryan, your thoughts on Grace prep beating Pantigo on the spot. Yeah. The Arlington showdown, man. I mean, it's <laughs> a, it's a, it's a matchup that I bet the rivalry runs deep here. One of the D three matchups that I definitely look forward to every year. Um, I think this was just I probably probably about what I thought. Just a really close, close game. Uh, you know, came down the came down to the wire. And I think uh I think you got guys like Jalen Talton who kind of push a team like Grace Prep over the edge because you know, Jaden Talton's match with Caden Lehu is is something that you only see out of like a couple teams, like teams having that chemistry. There's only a couple teams that I can feel like throughout private school that have that chemistry uh, down pat. And I think Grace Prep is one of them. However, you know, don't sleep on Pantigo. Pantigo is right there with Grace Prep. I think these are really two evenly matched teams. So, Yeah, I mean, it was a game that we knew was going to be close going into it, but ultimately Grace Prep need, did what they needed to do in this spot and got a five-point victory. So transitioning into the next game we're going to discuss, Lovett Christian at Weatherford Christian. Weatherford makes a statement win here with a commanding 47 to 28 victory over the presumed favorite in Taps D4. Um, it does have to be stated, Bax Townsend, I mean, the front runner for player of the year in D4 did not play in this game. He's in concussion protocol. Um, it, we were discussing whether we thought um Bax Townsend made up what is that? 19, 19 points. Yeah, sorry. Hey, I did I did the math right there. Yeah, we we that's were questioning good. whether Bax Townsend makes up 19 points they lost by. Um, the jury's out on that. He's a very important player, but I mean, at the end of the day, you can only credit you have to credit Weatherford for doing the job they had in front of them, which was beating Lubbock Christian with or without Bax Townsend. Mm-hmm. But in terms of athletes there, Braden Bork had 19 total tackles, seven of them solo, an interception, which was an 85-yard pick six. He for on the ground, he had 10 rushes, 120 yards, and a touchdown. And receiving, he had one reception for 56 yards and another touchdown and a two-point conversion, just because why not throw that on top? But Walker, you know, there's kind of there's a lot of semantics here. There's gonna be an asterisk or an asterisk, yeah, next to this game, no matter what, because of Bax Townsend's absence. But your thoughts on Weatherford Christian getting a big win here. No, I think it's a statement win. I mean, yes, you you're it's part of the game is you know, you have to make sure you're healthy, and that's not what uh Love a Christian had at that time, and sometimes sometimes that's how it goes. But you have to know 
disrespect to Weatherford Christian. I expected this from Weatherford Christian. Weatherford Christian is a good, good team, and they showed it in this one. Uh, shout out to my guys, kind of in the Fort Worth area, depending on what you say. Um, but big, big win for Weatherford. Braden Bork is that guy. He was. We were told about this guy back in tap, uh, tap seven on seven, being like, "Hey, look out for this guy. He's the real deal." And he showed it in a big, big time game against Lubbock Christian. Um, Hunter McCoy probably did his thing. The Twins did their thing. So shout out to Weatherford Christian. That's a big win for them. Uh, Braden Borg, Hunter McCoy, the rest of those guys. Shout out to them. Sorry, we're going to just cut into that. People are going to be wondering why I'm laughing. And you'll never know because you don't get to see what we cut out. Anyways, Ryan, your thoughts on Weatherford Christian getting a big win over Lovett Christian on the spot. Hey, man, Braden Borg and Hunter McCoy combined for five touchdowns, by the way. Let that be known. Hunter McCoy himself had, uh, let's see if I can do some mental math, 260 yards. He had 260 total yards um, for just him passing and rushing. Um, and yeah, the two, the, what's called the two of them combined for five total touchdowns. That's super impressive. And whatever you want to say about Bax Townsend being hurt or whatever, and the asterisks on this game, you know, five touchdowns combined between two of your best players is just, you know, something special, right? That's like, that's something special no matter what. You can't take that away from those guys. And this is a good weather for a Christian win, whether it has an asterisk or not. People said, people, People said last year with the Nolan Catholic stuff that there's a lot of asterisks on all those games because of different things, and this is totally different, but I'm just saying in general, all the stuff that says asterisks on whatever the game that you say, you know, a win's a win, a loss a loss on your record, and uh, you just have to roll with how it is. And I, I think right now, uh, Love It Christian has to, the rest of the guys that play with Bax Housen have to say, all right, what are we going to do this next week if Bax can't play this next upcoming week? What can we do to, you know, to, to work away? We're not just a one man squad. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think loving Christian could definitely, as soon as Bax gets back or without Bax, I think they could do something special just because we know how strong of a team they are. Completely agree. But moving on into sadly, sadly, the next game that we have to cover grace community at grapevine of faith. And sadly, as expected, Faith routes Grace 50 to 6 in a game that sets Faith as the favorite to win D2 District 2. What, oh, Ryan? Yeah, really? no. Listen, oh, I I, I was the one me. that expected this. Come I had I, I had Grace kids commenting on the story I posted saying, We are we're not mad, we're just disappointed. We're sad you picked against us. And that broke my heart. But sadly, <laughs> I'm not nuts. here. I'm not on this podcast to make friends or boost egos. I'm here to state facts. And sadly, Faith is a better team than Grace this year. I hate to say it. But they are um, some just wild stat lines in this game. Chase Cross completes only six passes. Three of those passes were for touchdowns, two of which went to Parker Barley, who had three receptions for two touchdowns, 139 yards, averaged 45 yards a catch. I, I don't know. I mean, they just they they diced up Grace in every way possible. Um Faith is just on a different level this year. Walker, um, I mean, you picked Grace foolishly, and that's the Grace alum telling you that. But your thoughts on on Faith just setting themselves apart from this district? I am proud. I am proud of He's Grace. He's proud to be a Cougar. He's proud to so be, am I. Proud so am I. be a Cougar. And, you know, sometimes the games just don't go your way. It's just not your night. And that's what happened with Grace this time. Um, so I'm keep going, guys. I'm proud of y'all. Uh, keep going strong, Cougar Pride, uh, all of that. You know, some guys believe in you, and I do. 
I believe in Nick Stewart. I believe in Reed Alexander. I believe Jamarion Johnson. I believe in all those guys, man. They're going to be a good team. Uh, it's They have a bright future ahead of them, even in this thing. Hey, they're going to beat Legacy. They're going to play a good game against Dunn, and all, and they're going to beat Cormdale, and they're going to get in the playoffs, and they're going to shock some people. So that's how I see it. But, hey, got to give my flowers to Grapevine Faith. They're a good team. Uh, Chase Cross is the real deal over there. Uh, I apologize, by the way, for not updating your photo. I will do that from this time around. <laughs> But um, anyways, yeah, Grayvine, Grayvine's a really good team. Uh, Clayton Sebecki, John Raybuck, Campbell Stites, I believe is his name. Uh, he's a good player over there. Um, so, yeah, overall, a really good team. Uh, just this not the week for uh, Grace. But, hey, I have to give my flowers. Good, good win for Grayvine Faith. Do you think I don't know what you're trying to do there? No, what do you mean? I will burn you to the ground. That is my school. Wow. That that is my that is my pride and joy. Wow. You're not undercutting Dang. me for this. Brilliant. You're not cutting this out either. And I'm gonna keep talking, oh. so it'll make it. I'm gonna so it'll make it really, really hard for you to cut out. Ryan Schroeder, your thoughts on Faith getting into a win against Grace Community in this spot? Yeah, uh, honestly, I'll be straight up here. It's with, with how this district is set up. It's set up in a way where you know Faith was supposed to run this whole district, and and whether that's happening or not, and then we'll we'll see. But honestly, there's not a lot you can do when the offense is set up by Chase, and it's set up with Clayton, and they, so they put Clayton in the slot, or they put Clayton in the running back position, and then when Clayton's in the slot, they put. Uh, Ray Buck in the in the running back slot, like they have so many options with that offense, and not even to mention I haven't even mentioned their main wide receivers yet. Like I'm telling you right now, that offense runs super super well. Only thing is, uh, I know that defense can be you know taken down by some of the what's called some of the offenses like a Forrest Christian and stuff like that, right? So, um, after seeing that in person, I saw that you know Forrest Christian they had a couple of tall wide receivers that kind of ran all over Great Fun, right? So that when I when I get back to this stage. I do think they're beatable 100%. However, can a team, if Grace can't do it, can a team like Bishop Dunn do it? Can a team like Coram Deo do it? Can a team like... No. I'm not even going to mention my team. But, <laughs> uh, you know, it, it, the question is there. Maybe a team like Dunn could go up and surprise them and stuff like that. Because Faith is beatable. Just the thing that I have to say about this is Faith is just a really talented team. And only only losing by seven points, though, a really tough fourth Christian team, and how close that game was, the game came out of the wire. Like, Chase Cross almost threw a game-winning touchdown to go to overtime. So I, I, know, that, I know that Faith team is strong, and, yeah, I, I just – It'll be tough to see what can happen. I, I, me and Wes, we had all that pride in that dang district, but yeah, I feel like faith is just really strong. So, how does one throw a game-winning touchdown to go to overtime? Game, game uh, tying, game tying, tying. Dude, Wes, whatever. You know yeah, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, we're taking over the, his school. Yeah, all right, yeah. I'm a Cougar for life, man. I'm wearing yeah. my blue. Where am I blue? Come on. This I is encourage, this is, is West Hate Week. I've decided this is this is West Hate Week. No, I, um, I encourage y'all to progress with that plan because it, very interesting things will happen to both of you. <laughs> Mess uh, around and find out. Maybe get if, some keys. Uh, maybe get some keys at, in the mail. <laughs> if you look at the chart, if you mess around, more, <laughs> you will find out more. You go. 
that's an elite video. That's a good elite video. Moving on. Moving on. Second to last game we're going to cover. Liberty Christian at Fort Worth Christian. You know, Liberty Christian just establishes themselves here as the best team in the North following a 44-34 to victory over Fort Worth Christian. Sophomore athlete Brady Janicek, we've already talked about at length, is emerging as one of the best in a loaded class of 25. Going for five total touchdowns, three on the ground, two through the air, racking up 223 all-purpose yards, and with quarterback Jacob Vaughn and a defense consisting of Quentin Brown and Trey Turner, Liberty Christian looks virtually unstoppable at the moment. 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 Walker, your thoughts what? on your thoughts on Liberty Christian getting a win against Fort Worth Christian? No, nah, I mean, who would have thought? Not me about this Liberty Christian team. Uh, they looked good in seven on seven, so that could have been a good indication. But you try to not put too much into seven on seven. Then they come in and then they just start out really strong and they just keep on firing on all cylinders, man. It's a very, very impressive team. Um, man, they, I mean, you know, I, I said in the thing, I picked Fort with Christian because I believed in, you know, in the line of scrimmage and all of that. I mean, I don't think it mattered. A 10 point win over Fort with Christian is a big, big win for them. Um, I remember, I remember that Trey Turner hit. Remember seeing that? That was a, that, that dude's a real deal, man. He's the real deal. A long, lanky corner that is strong and loves to hit. I mean, that's exactly what you want. And um, Quinn Brown, Jacob Vaughn, all those guys, Reeves, baller on the defensive line has had a great year. Um, they're loaded, man. They're young, too. Um, it's just it's just interesting to watch how this team is going to grow and become better over time. Four receivers with 10-plus catches. Six different receivers have caught touchdown passes. Seven players with 10-plus tackles. Team has 13 sacks and 10 interceptions. I mean, this team is versatile. They're good, not just in a couple of players. They're good throughout the team. And that's what makes a good team is where you can rely not on just one or two guys, but the entire team to do their job correctly. So shout out to Liberty Christian, man. That's a big, big win over the number other good, not the another really good team in the North and Taps Division two. And they look strong going into the rest of the slate and district. Ryan, Liberty Christian, good at football. Your thoughts? Yeah, they're pretty. They're pretty good at football. Um, you know, football is pretty good for Liberty Christian, and Fort Worth Christian's pretty good at football. So, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, if, if I'm being 100 percent serious, we already talked about Janicek. We know Janicek is a dog. But what I was gonna say is overall, it's just this is the one-two punch in that district, in my opinion. You really have, and and, and the one-two punch in that district is a 10-point spread with Liberty Christian being the away, the away team. So think about that much as much. Because Liberty Christian is number one, in my opinion. And then you go forward with Christian. And then, you know, the rest of the spout goes down, right? You have you have the fourth All Saints game and middle game that we just saw play. And I think overall, you can kind of put these teams at the one, too. Just because, honestly, you know, they play super impressive. Both these teams are loaded on the offensive and defensive side of the ball. And, you know, if you have Janicek on this team and Jacob Vaughn and all these other guys, and then on fourth Christian, you have Hogan Nelson throwing the ball. Think about this. Just the 20, the 2025, uh, you know, uh, on the court, I mean, on the field about that Friday night with Hogan Nelson and Janicek and all that. I mean, that's super impressive as it is. Um, as well as you had guys like Luke Anderson and Jacob Trimble and, and Jordan Green, just a lot of star talent out there at one time, in my opinion. So, yeah, honestly, a really, really good win for Liberty Christian and kind of just solidifies them as one of the top teams all in all private school. 
Yeah, I mean, certainly. I mean, it's very hard to debate that they're not one of they're not the best team in D2 right now, let alone one of the best teams in all of private schools. Moving forward, the last game we're going to recap is Houston St. John's at Bel Air Episcopal, and it would be a disservice to let anyone but Walker Lott describe this game since he was on site covering this. So, Walker, take it away. Yeah, I don't have my notes in front of me, so I'm kind of going off my head. Sorry, I just came back from DFW. Um, Bel Air Episcopal, big, big win for them. They're a very good win. Carson Gordon is the real deal. I believe he scored like five touchdowns on the night. He is um he you know the offers he's gotten, the the name status coming into Bel Air, right? Um, he's proven why this year. Um, he's a really good player, he's versatile, athletic, um, and he has accuracy. He's able to read the defense um really, really well, find where he needs to go. If he needs to run out of the pocket, find it over, it's effortless to him. And it's really, really impressive. And a guy of that stature and that status, it should be effortless to him. And you see that why that team has turned around so well for him and all the receivers they have, Lane Linebarger, uh, yeah, Lane Linebarger, Andre Thompson. They're good squad, man. Defensively, they're without their best defensive lineman and they still look dominant. They were getting to the passer all night. They they're off the switching over to St. John's for a second. Cole Allen is the real deal. First time ever seeing him in person, watching him live. He's the real deal. He's a division one talent. He's a really good player. He made a fantastic thing. It was like a five yard out turned into a 65 yard touchdown. Very, very impressive. Steven Gill is a good quarterback. I think he's a really good quarterback. But he had no time. And when he did have time where he had to get out of the pocket, he made some very accurate throws. So he's going to be a good 2024 quarterback. But they have their offensive line is just not as well as you expect um, for a team that is that good in SPC. And I think that's what's going to kill them in the end of not reaching the SPC championship this year. Um, they just don't have the guys up front in the in the trenches to kind of compete with the ESDs and the uh, Bel Airs of the world this year. So for that reason, um, that's why... Belair had just a field day with him on the defensive line. Um, Jason Ota, the Texas A&M Commerce commit now, so congrats to him, had a really good game. Uh, Hutch Cower, the 2023 defensive lineman, offensive lineman, had a good game. Um, those guys are going to be really, really good. So some guys I wanted to mention, 2025 offensive lineman Alex Lozada, the offensive lineman who's played center for them as a 25 who is 6'4", 290, looks the part, played really well on the, the very tall offensive line for Bel Air. Um, it's going to be one to watch going forward. And 2025 wide receiver Logan Barty was one to watch. Um, 6'3", 175, outside receiver, made a really p- couple pr- pretty impressive catches, but he's a athletic, like, track and field type of guy, so he's going to relate that to the football field, so he's going to be one to watch going forward. But they have a couple other guys at receiver. Uh, Andre Thompson, of course, uh, Jackson Renucci was one that was very impressive. Carson Fowler, the 20 foot 2025 running back was one that was really good. Um, and yeah, I think that's, I've kind of just rambled for a second. Cause I don't have things in front of me. Bel Air Episcopal, really good team, really good team across the board and all things, especially in the trenches, which I think that's why uh, they're one of the top teams in the in private school this year. Um, but SP for St. John's, they're good. But the trenches are what make football is football and what makes football teams good to great. And they just don't have that to make them into the SBC championship this year, I don't Blake. I'd have to agree. Okay, Ryan. So we basically just got six minutes of everything you can possibly learn about Bel Air Episcopal and St. John's. I'm going to ask you a yes or no question that we can get out of this game. That good with you? Yeah, that works. Is Bel Air Episcopal good at football? 
Yeah, my uh, my good friend Walker Lott told me they're pretty good at football. Perfect. Moving on, that actually concludes all of the games we're going to recap. And now we're going to talk about some other news, starting with our inaugural – not inaugural, that was last week – starting with the updated rankings we have. So we're just going to flash them on the screen. You can pause when you get to your respective division and check it out more in detail. But this would be Division One. This is Division Two. These are divisions three and four. These are the SPC rankings. And this finally is the top 10 overall. So, Walker, we've had a lot of shakeup. Um, we there's a lot of up and down movement. We're still, you know, the rankings are still in their infant stage. We're trying to really figure out where these teams are going to settle before we get deeper into the district season. Your thoughts on all of the the movement up and down. Yeah, D1 makes sense. D2, Argyle Liberty beat number three, so they move up. Austin Regents kept it close with a 10-point game. They moved down one. The other things in D2 make sense. Uh, D3, D4, the, having to, having trying to rank those Division Four teams are hard to do, man. Trying to figure out, all right, is Weatherford Christian the best? Is Lubbock Christian the best? Is Munster the best? Um, it's very hard to figure that out. Temple Christian, we're watching you, man. Keep We're keeping an eye on you, and you're right outside. But, hey, you keep winning, you're going to be going up. Don't you worry. So we're watching you. Um, SPC makes sense. And then top 10 overall. I mean, John Cooper makes it into the top 10, so that's a big thing for them. And then Austin Regents goes down one. Liberty goes up to five. Um, I mean, yeah, I think, I think that makes sense for itself. Ryan, your thoughts on the the variation in the rankings? Yeah, I think the biggest one was D2, y'all. And I think y'all have to understand that just in general with D2, there's going to be a lot of shakeup. It's the division. I think it's the, if I'm not wrong, it's the division with the most teams. It's the division with the, I feel like it's been the most competitive as well. So um, it's going to shake up every week because those teams keep beating each other, as well I'll say. Um, so yeah, honestly, everything also kind of runs with how we kind of have it aligned from last week. Um, just moving teams up and down for their respective wins and losses that they uh, had this past week. But overall, you're going to see a lot of switch up. So if you play for one of these D2 teams or if you're a fan of one of these D2 teams, you're going to see a lot of switch up in D2 for sure. Definitely so. But we also have to report on something that is more or less breaking as of 2 p.m. today, Monday, October 10th. Jeff Dykus is stepping down as the St. Michael's football coach and athletic director. Um, Dykus is widely credited as being the architect of the Lake Travis football program. He also coached at Duncanville. But after a two and three start to St. Michael's season, Dykus has announced he is stepping down from both roles. He was expected to retire at the end of the season, but he has now decided to leave in the middle of St. Michael's season. Uh, Walker, I'm not going to speculate too much. That's not really who we are, but he's citing personal reasons. Um, it's just interesting that St. Michael's is in this spot, and now it kind of compounds the problems they've already been having with their head coach and athletic director leaving in the middle of the season. Your thoughts on the spot this puts St. Michael's in? Yeah, um, you know, they have Coach Rhodes over there now that's going to be kind of the interim guy, but it says in the article by the Statesman that uh, the Crusaders coordinators and uh, young, talented group of coaches will continue to run the team's daily practices. Um, and that makes sense. You know, uh, our guys over there are really good guys. Um, they're, the coaches over there are really good people, and they have a really good mindset going into from day to day, and they know the team really well. So I'm not worried about that. But it is interesting, you know, uh, 
for how, how the year has been for St. Michael's to leave mid-year. And, you know, personal reasons are personal reasons, so I'm not going to tell a man what he needs to do or anything like that because, you know, everyone has a different life and everyone has different reasons for different decisions. Uh, it just sucks. You know, you get really hurt at the start of the year. You lose a lot of games you shouldn't have lost this year, and then your head coach leaves mid- mid-year. That's just – it's like a – just a snowball effect of rough things that are happening in that St. Michael's program. Um, so it's, it's rough over there in Austin for those guys. And, uh, you know, I wish the best for them for the rest of the season, uh, you know, got to remain strong and, uh, you know, determined, disciplined to keep going in, but that this, it's a rough time for them for sure. Yeah. You definitely got a feel for those kids. It's just something that, you know, uh, the, I don't think the kids deserve all the outside noise and things that comes with that. But Ryan, your thoughts on Dykus leaving in the middle of the season. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, whatever that may be, uh, personal reasons wise, you know, prayers up to him and his family. Um, you know, we definitely are looking out for anyone uh, in the private school space. We have been for this entire time, and we just want to let uh, Coach Dykes' family know and everybody else out there that, you know, uh, that honestly uh, he's been one of the best coaches we've seen in all of Texas, right? You have to have – it's honestly a respect for him at that point. He is a uh, 60, 60% win percentage. If I, I calculated that right, I don't think that's right. Um, well, you know what? That's okay. He went 133 and 91. I can't do math, y'all. Uh, basically, he did really, really well throughout his time in Texas coaching over, it says four decades. So that's actually absolutely impressive. Um, what a great, what a great coaching career. And uh, yeah, man, St. Michael's, man, I, I hope everything works out well. Hope uh, Coach um, Pete, Pete Rose is uh, going to come right in. And, you know, because obviously it's all about the kids, all about the players and stuff like that. Hopefully it's a smooth transition. You never want, um, you know, that type of stuff to be uh, choppy, right? So, um, St. Michael's, you know, still going to have a good season this season, hopefully. Um, and, yeah, obviously what's called great, great career of uh, Mr. Jeff Dykus. Yeah, definitely so. So the last thing we're going to cover before we get into our games of the week, this is a discussion we've had between the three of us casually, actually, right before we even started recording. But we were we were talking about we wanted to know if this sophomore class, the class of 25, is going to be the best ever when it's all said and done. Walker says, Walker, I'm not going to steal your thunder too much, but you think 21 at least in top-end talent. But do you think class of 25 could be the best in terms of density? We don't have to go and talk about each individual player. Just kind of give a give a brief overview of what you think, Walker. I think there's a lot of good talent in this 2025 class. Um, if you and if anyone follows recruiting in the Texas, uh, in Texas like, like I do from literally my job, uh, a lot of people say that the class of 22 is probably one of the deepest classes in the state. You could go the, the 50th person in the state and still be a guy that most colleges in the country would want to go after. That could be like what it is for the private school class in 2025. Okay. Um, they're really, really dense. A lot of really good players from the DFW in Houston, other sides, Austin, all that. The question is though, and you have to always wonder this in private school, right? Wes, do they stay? That's the big question. And um, I hope y'all do. <laughs> I mean, I hope y'all do so we can keep talking about you and you won't get any coverage like this in public school. Yeah, I can tell you that. But <laughs> um, no, but also do whatever is best for your family. But, you know, <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> Anyways, but a lot is forcing you to stay in private schools for us. <laughs> don't ever you know, don't clip that, guys. Don't clip that. <laughs> but anyways, guys. 
Um, I hope everyone does stay because it is a really good class and it's going to be exciting classes for to come. So yes, maybe um, it is going to be the like from top to bottom for the number one to number 50, it could be really, really good. Um, but I just remember that 21 class with uh, Don, uh, Donovan Jackson, the, the Brock Myers, uh, Preston Stone and others. I mean, that 21 class was legendary. So. Yeah, definitely. So I think there's a good chance. This is the best ever when it's all said and done. Ryan, your quick thoughts on the class of 25 and just what they're made of. Yeah. I mean, literally it's literally just like the quarterbacks I'm even thinking of as soon as we start this is like, you know, you got Sawyer, you got what Hogan, um, a lot of absolute dogs at like the quarterback position. And that's just even guys that are going to, you know, think about it. There's not that many spots to play D one quarterback. Everybody wants to play D one quarterback or D two or whatever. So I don't know. I just, it makes you think, man, it makes you really think that this 2025 class is something else, but We'll, we'll see down the line with what happens. And, uh, yeah, obviously, we've had some great players come out. We have great players come out this year. Uh, oh, yeah, this Al. this talent, yeah. this class is talented this year in 23. And Al, uh, and Al. Uh, Micah Bell, Micah. Yeah, Trey, like, yeah. uh, congrats. Hey, by the way, congrats, Trey, going to Stanford. That's big. Congratulations. Uh, we're going to have a lot of, uh, what is it? Luke Anderson just committed yeah, Luke, to Luke Montana and, State. Luke and Jacob both going to Montana. Yeah, and Jordan hey. Green will be a D one guy somewhere. Right. Uh, one of the guys I could see uh, Patrick or Patrick. Burke. I mean, he hasn't got the D one offers, but he should somewhere. Yeah, right. um, somewhere down the line. So, what other D one guys in the South? Brown, uh, Brady Dever going to Brown. Right. Uh, St. Thomas. I mean, Johan. Kurt, I mean, Johan is a twenty four. But there's gonna be. I think Jack Ward just got Val Persio or whatever the Val Persio. Yeah. Uh, Jack Ward, the twenty three linebacker. Um. Uh, there's some others. I just I can't remember on the top of my yeah, head. But keep coming, man. Oh, Brian Domino, uh, the wide receiver, has some D1 offers. So right. I can't believe I just did that on the top of my head. But um, the whatever is the encyclopedia strikes again, right? Um, anyways, like you're saying, there's gonna be talented classes, guys. And you know we're not gonna get every year the AM, 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 Ohio State, Texas, and the top ten in the recruiting class, right? That's just not how it is. But these guys, we have talent here in private school, man. Top to bottom in different classes. It's a really good talent. And 25 might be one of the best classes ever. Yeah, I agree. It definitely has the potential too. But moving on, I actually lie. That's not the last thing we're going to cover. We're going to say one more thing. We want to know, we've also had a discussion, who are the best student sections in all of private school? And Walker made a claim last week that a hot take that private schools had better student sections than public schools. And honestly, I mean, you're, you, you are fair to say that because you've seen both. And honestly, I might agree with you there. But without being too long-winded, if you have a good student section or know of a good student section, please put that in the comments. We're going to run a poll on Twitter and see, and we're going to discuss that next episode and really judge it and also probably give a few of our insights from playing on who we thought were some of the most raucous student sections that we played against, because I definitely have a couple in mind. I know Walker does, too. I know Walker has at least one specifically in mind. But yeah, moving moving on into the last segment, as always, our games of the week, probably the most fun segment as well. The first game we're going to cover will be Central Catholic versus Antonian. Antonian is a one and a half point favorite. 
Another chapter in an old rivalry will be written this Friday as Central travels to Antonian in another war for the 726. Central relies on a staunch defense headed by SMU commit Braden Flowers. They allow 15 points per game and garnered two clean sheets up to this point. Whereas Antonian leads on a high-powered offense, averaging 34 on the backs of junior quarterback Jace Toscano, junior wide receiver Riley Strode, and senior wide receiver Ricky Gonzalez. Here's the thing. Greg Tepper told me many moons ago that I got too starry-eyed by skill players and I, that the dogs in the trenches were very underweighted in my regression. You know, I was talking to Walker, and Walker was talking on the space last Friday. Central has some beasts down low, and even with the departure of UTSA commits DeAndre Marshall and Ben Rios, there's not much fall-off. So, Greg Tepper, thank you so much for the advice. I greatly appreciate it. And, you know, in this spot, I'm going to be taking – Antonian prep um I do think that regardless I think Antonian might be the better team this year um they're only a one and a half point favorite the game is kind of a pick them I'm taking Antonian prep I didn't really mean to do my good friend Greg Tepper like that with all the lead up but there's no way Greg Tepper will ever see this so it'll be all right give me Antonian and the points Walker Lot, your thoughts I had such a like I was ready I was like you know what you know you pick the you're picking the big boys, and I always do. And now I'm going to pick Antonian for the speed and the skill. That's literally what I was going to do. Um, you just, oh my gosh, why'd you just do that to me? I had the whole thing prepared. But um, yeah, I'm going to pick Antonian too. I think Ricky Gonzalez might be one of the best underrated receivers in the state. I mean, he is a dog, bro. And um, he's gotten some good offers, and, you know, he's going to Fordham, I believe, right? Is that correct, guys? Uh, right? I've... Oh, yeah, Fordham. I'm. I know, I know. Trust the knowledge. Uh, but yeah, he's going to Fordham. And Jace Toscano is a really good guy over there, too. Um, they have a couple guys, man, uh, in that class that are gonna be really, really good players. Um, Jace Jace Toscano, Alex Pruitt, Bode Ferguson, Rally Schrode, who is a 24 guy who I'm really high on this year. And in 2025, Mikey Moreno is a guy who I'm also interested to watch. He's a he's 25 and he's gonna be a pretty good sophomore this year. Um, there's some other guys we talked about him in the uh pre uh whatever preview over the summer, and we haven't been able to talk about him, but they're they're having a good season this year. What what are they now? Uh, what are they five and one? That's a really good record. And I believe they beat, oh, I forgot who it was. We were talking about it the other day, but a good win over some good teams down there in San Antonio. So for that, I'm going to pick Antonian. Ryan Schroeder, we're two and oh, and Antonian, you know what I'm going to ask you to do here, but you're a free man, make your pick. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to go against y'all here. I have central Catholic and I think more so the fact is I just don't know a lot of the teams that Antonians played. Um, and that may just be me not knowing enough teams in general, but when it comes down to it, this is a team last week that went toe to toe with central or that went toe to toe with St. Thomas until about maybe the third quarter, maybe even the end of the third quarter, they're playing really, really well with them. And I know the whole comment that's going to be made, well, football is playing with four quarters, but like, I think what I, I want to say with that is just the fact that this central Catholic team has put up numbers against pretty good teams this year. You know, they went toe to toe basically with, you know, St. Thomas regions was only a 15 point loss. And in reality, that game was a lot closer when you look at it. I just, I honestly think the central Catholic team has got something. And uh, with guys like Ryan Perez running the quarterback position and you have a guy like, uh, make sure I get this name, right. I want to make sure I get this right. Jonathan, Weinkam uh, is the guy that punched in two touchdowns for them last week. 
I, yeah, I honestly just think that, you know, Central Catholic has got some dogs. And I think that in this San Antonio battle, the, is it disrespectful to say the, the Alamo, um, what's it called Alamo battle? No. Yeah. No. Okay. Well then this is the Alamo battle of private school. There you go. I think the, uh, I think it's been long enough since the Alamo that we can, we can, yeah. Sorry. We can make just in case hey, still, hey, uh... hey, 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 y'all remember the Alamo today? I just remember. No, I it. think I think I think I forgot it. As I no, I, I I just every got day you. since seventh just, grade Texas history. <laughs> I just got you right now. You're welcome for remembering the Alamo. Yeah, anyway, so in the in the battle for the Alamo, we have two on Antonian and one on Central Catholic. Moving on into a game not too far from that, a battle for Austin Hyde Park at Austin Regents. Regents is a thirty six and a half point favorite in this game, which is a crazy spread for two six and zero teams. But the last two undefeated in Austin will square off this Friday as Cinderella Hyde Park will take the carriage for the ball held at Knights Field. Hyde Park has had a tremendous start to the season, averaging 46 points per game. They boast one of the most efficient offenses in the state through three district games and ultimately knocking off St. Michael's in a 27 to 26 overtime victory. Regents really needs no introduction here. They have not lost a district game since 2015 to which they lost to Hyde Park. Makes you think. Freshman quarterback Quinn Murphy is proving himself as one of the best young talents in the state, and with contributions from Jacob Wilburn, Adrian Verdict, Will Pope, and others, Regents is a favorite yet again to win Division Two, and that's why I'm saying Cinderella won't be dancing at the ball. Give me Regents in this spot. Walker Lott, your thoughts? Uh, can we just talk? Like we haven't talked about this Hyde Park team, and we need to talk about him for a second. Six and zero. Oh. That's an eight, and he they've scored since 2002. Uh, this was on September 10th. Uh, football, uh, Hyde Park has scored 40 or more points four times in the first three weeks of the season. This year's, this year, uh, never more than, or n- never more than 51. The first four weeks, or first three weeks, 56, 55, and 64. This is a program change that is in the right direction for these teams. Hey, hey uh, Walker, it's really sad you're pumping them all up just to pick against them. Gosh. <laughs> no no keep going what is them what is like what is this negativity in the air by uh, west hollis he's trying to bait you into picking high park at this point now that's what i'm trying to do and i did that last week with grace but i'm not gonna do it this time i'm gonna pick uh austin regents you know dominant and that's how they are they'll win this one but i want to give hyde park his their flowers can i not do that west no no continue thank you goodness gracious <laughs> these days um Anyways, you know, Jaden LaFon is a pretty good athlete over there. Um, I, I, I'm just, I'm, in, I'm intrigued by this. Phil Dawson is the head coach over there, and he's done a pretty good job trying to turn that program around. Uh, he owned, he, I think this is his first year. Uh, former NFL player. Um, he has, they went winless. Let's think about this, guys. Hyde Park went winless in 2021. This is a turnaround program changing six and oh and beating Austin St. Michael's who's one of the best teams in Austin we thought this year even with the injuries no matter what Austin St. Michael's everything that's a big win for that program direction yes they might lose to Austin Regents and I'm going to pick Austin Regents this, this one but don't get it twisted they're a, they're a, they're turning around this program Phil Dawson the coach over there is turning around this team um so I'm excited for this team man uh but I wish you the best no, in all seriousness, I am glad you gave Hyde Park their flowers because they deserve it. A fantastic start for a team that was dead in the water a year ago. Ryan, your thoughts on this game? Yeah, I don't got a lot to say. I I just 
I'm not, I'm not betting on the spread here. So anyone that likes that thinks, oh, you should bet on the spread, right? You're really good at betting on the spread. No, not betting on the spread. Just give me Regents here. I'll uh, I'll take their their win as a as a win on the on the what's called on the pick record. It's an easy little check mark. <laughs> Wes, you know, hey, my, I'm gonna hmm. make you I'm gonna make you answer this. Do they cover? Does Austin? You know, I was I was actually about to talk about that. My gut said yes, and then I remembered last week, um, the ten point game against uh St. Joe's. Um. I want to be honest. If I was, uh, resp- uh, I don't know how to say this. Um, if I was betting on the spread in this game, I would probably, I would bet Hyde Park to cover. Yeah, I'd bet Hyde Park to cover, but I bet Regents to win outright. Uh, don't gamble. Gambling's bad, kids. Moving on into the next game, we're going to cover Fort Bend Christian versus Second Baptist, a game that Walker Lot will be live on the ground covering. Fort Bend Christian is a three and a half point favorite, a much more modest spread than the one prior. Two old foes will throw down Friday as Fort Bend Christian will travel to Second Baptist for some eagle on eagle violence. Some context here first. Second Baptist had won eight straight district titles prior to the 2021 season. Fort Bend Christian had other plans and took that title from them. But Second Baptist ultimately got revenge in the semifinal round of the playoffs, ending Fort Bend Christian's season in heartbreaking fashion. I'm going to keep it simple here. Fort Bend Christian wins this game. The spread underrates them here due to the sluggish start to the season, but they pass the eye test with flying color, something I think Walker will experience this Friday. And without a doubt, they cover that spread. Bet your hat, never mind, don't do that. Unless Second Baptist can add more than one dimension to their offense, I think Fort Bend Christian definitely gets it done here. Walker Lott, your thoughts? Um, I'm going to pick Fort Bend in this one. I'm excited for this game, but um, I think this is also – what happened last year, right? Fort Bend won this game, right? And then they lost to Second Baptist in the playoffs, right? And the semis, right? Mm-hmm. So Fort Bend has a lot to prove in this one because they did it in the season and then they pro they came around and they lost. Pretty Second Baptist had a great game plan going into that game and executed it and won. Fort Bend wants to show that all this hype all this momentum, all this talent they have, it's not going to go to waste, and they're going to win this one really handedly. And I believe in this game. I think that defense, I think Max Granville, hey, Max, you have you have something to play for this week. You need to show this team is the real deal, and you get to turn to Murdoch because I think they show how dominant all that talent is. Um, it's going it, to, I mean, I don't think they can lose if the talent comes to play. Uh, Coach Black is going to get them ready to go. I hope they remember last year in the playoffs what this game means to them because I don't think they want to feel – I think they still have that taste of losing in the semis to this team again. And for that reason, let me go for Ben. Yeah, I think all that reasoning is fantastic. Also, I just remembered that somebody commented on a sticker. I think I asked for some of the biggest storylines in private school football earlier in the season or right before the season started. And somebody slid up and said, Second Baptist has a huge upgrade in coaching this year. And to that, I just – how do I do this? I'm, really? Do they? Listen, I admittedly am very biased towards Coach Pirtle, but no, that's not Coach Pirtle. Coach Pirtle is is fantastic, and I'm saying that because you brought up the game from last year, talking about their game plan. Um, Coach Pirtle did a masterful job, so let's let's all pump the brakes and being excited at replacing Coach Pirtle. I got a ride for my guy. Anyway, Ryan Schroeder, Portland Christian Second Baptist School. Your thoughts on the game? Yeah, I 
was a big proponent last year when it came down to the time of like the semifinals. I was a big proponent that Fort Bend would have been a better game in the championship between Fort Bend and DC versus Fort versus DC and Second Baptist. I feel like it would have been a way closer game. And I think if you're Fort Bend in this position, you're saying to yourself, like, with how many guys that are returning from last year too and stuff like that on this Fort Bend team, they all have a bad taste in their mouth, like you said, Walker. Like, I'm I am so set on Fort Bend winning this game. Uh, that I mean, yeah, I I think there's too many people at Fort Bend right now that are upset about that loss last year, um, wishing that they could have had a chance at DC because I think they would have put up a bigger fight than you know maybe SBS did against DC. So give me Fort Bend here. I think I think they got a lot to prove here, man. A lot to prove. I definitely think so. Moving on into the second to last game, we're going to cover Trinity Christian Lubbock at Fort Worth Lake Country Christian. Trinity Christian Lubbock is an 18 and a half point favorite in this matchup. Last year's D3 state runner-up will travel to the Metroplex on Friday to take on Red Hot Lake Country. Lake Country has started the season 6-0 and in open district with a commanding 42-7 win against Trinity Christian Willow Park. Putting up a staggering 46 points per game, the Trinity Christian defense will have its hands full for certain, but that defense is only allowing 13 points a game and just shut out Covenant Christian to open district play. Factor in only a 10-point loss to D2 favorite Liberty Christian, and I have to take Trinity Christian Lubbock and Marcus Ramon Edwards in this spot. Walker Lott. Hmm. Hmm. Is this that hard? It is. Hmm. Maybe I'm missing something. Do you see the point spreads they've had Lake Country has had? 42 to 7, 63 49, 41 7, 41 29, 49 14, 39 28. They are putting up points on a couple good teams. Um I'm with my pick record is already crazy. <laughs> I'm gonna do uh forward Lake Country. I'm gonna go with my guys eight one seven all the way, always represent. Um I think the daughter twins are gonna be something that I think they they kept Liberty close, don't get me wrong, but I think the daughter twins are something that is gonna be interesting to watch to see how they play against this Lubbock Trinity Trinity Christian Lubbock team. Uh Zach Anthony and the rest of that defense is gonna come ready to play. Um, I'm going to guess, I haven't watched any film of it, but I'm going to guess, you know, Marcus Ramon Edwards probably plays a little bit of linebacker, you know, but um, I I think if Lake Country can stop Marcus Ramon Edwards and the rest of the offense, I think, and hold them to around 20, I think they win this game. If they, if they let Marcus Ramon Edwards, the Texas Tech commit run over them, then I think, uh, whatever, Lubbock wins, but um. I'm gonna go Lake Country in this one. It might be a little of an upset, but hey, they're number they're what are they now? The number three team or number four team in our rankings. So hey, give me them now. Yeah, no, number two versus number three. Give me the number three team. I will double down and say um I will be very, very surprised if TCA Slavic doesn't cover an 18 and a half point spread. I would also think I think they win by 25 or more. Wow. Ryan, your thoughts on the game. I'm for some reason I'm very confident in this, which you know isn't a good idea, but usually, but uh. All I have to say is, you say uh, not not to diss on any of these teams that that what's called that Lake Country has played against. This oh, year. they're hot dog water. But I'm sorry, Walker. I don't think any of these teams are good, man. Like I, I'm 
none of these teams I'm looking at, I'm thinking, man, that's that's like a crazy. The only one I'm absolutely thinking that's a really good win is the Northland Christian because of Stone Walker and all that. But I mean, and I mean, okay, because of that, then they're putting up the amount of points you expect on those type of teams, though. Eh, I don't know. You you only beat a, you only beat McKinney Christian by eleven um, at your own place at the beginning of the year. Uh, TCS also lost to to Liberty by ten. Oh, so they're they're th- they're theoretically equal I, for Worth Christian. I, so what I, what I'm thinking in this aspect is, the guys must have done well. They have they have no stats online. But if we're going to talk about this, if you're only going to lose to ten by ten points, because TCS Slovak is doing the exact same thing, they're putting up points on everybody they're playing this year. They just shut out Covenant um, on the road. So it's like. I, I don't know. I, I think I have TCS Lubbock here. However, I'm not going to say the whole big about the the point spread because I know the daughter uh, twins are going to like do some absolutely like disgusting things on the field. So uh, when it comes down to it, it's going to be a bit. I, there's going to be a lot of points scored in this game. Now, I just think in general that TCS Lubbock still gets the win here. But yeah, the daughter. I think the daughter brothers will still do their thing on offense and. Maybe, I don't know, five touchdowns combined between the two of them. Well, hey, daughter twins, prove them wrong for me, please. Prove them wrong. 25-point win for Trinity Christian Lovick. Put it it in the books. Moving on to the last game we're going to cover, Fort Worth All Saints versus Walker's hometown Southwest Christian. All Saints is favored by 9.5 points. And this, quite frankly, is a do-or-die spot for All Saints. They lose this game, and they're going 0-4 in district. They desperately need a victory here in order to try and get some kind of momentum before running up against buzzsaws in the form of Liberty and Fort Worth Christian. The problem is, SCS is not an automatic win by any means. It's just going to be a question of, will this be the SCS that beat Hollitsville, or will this be the SCS that lost to Grace Prep? I'm going to wager, and maybe foolishly, that the former is going to show up. So, give me Southwest Christian in this matchup. Walker, I need you to tell me right now if this was a good or a bad decision. Ryan, you go first. Oh, sweet lawyer. Okay. I now this is what I have to say about this game. Because if you're all Saints, you're totally right, Wes. If there's only you get three spots, right? There's three spots in order to make it into playoffs. So you actually have to win this game because if you don't then you're betting on you beating liberty and you're betting on yourself beating fourth christian which i just don't see that happening at all for fourth all saints so it's it is it is just so do or die for southwest now southwest had a bye first week as well so they're coming off of you know hopefully you're you're, you're ready and stuff like that but you know this is this is a team that yeah went head to head with Hallettsville. But at the same time, lost by five to to Grace Prep at home. You know, it's like I I totally agree with you, Wes, on this whole thing. And then for this aspect alone, I have to go for with All Saints here. I keep picking this team, thinking you know the whole definition of insanity. You keep picking a team, thinking things are going to change. I'm going to keep picking this team until something changes. I, I, I have to believe going head-to-head with Midland Christian down to the wire means something. So I have all Saints in this game. Interesting. Walker, um, I'm very interested in the theatrics that are about to to roll out. So what are your thoughts on, on Southwest Christian versus Fort Worth All Saints? There's going to be no theatrics. This is, this is, this is tough for me. 
Um, now, Walker, remember, I was a re- actually, I can't even say because All Saints isn't even like a clear favorite here. So I'm going to shut up and just let you pick. I'm going to pick, I'm of course going to ride with my Eagles. Um, I, I trust in this team, I trust in the coaching, I trust in the guys that have been working this whole summer to get where they're po- the. The Tabs Division Two semifinalists are not going to go away easily in this district. You know, they have a rest. They went on, you know, had their bye, and they're ready to go. Salos Christian, go prove me right, guys. I'll ride with you to the end of the until I'm until I fall off my horse. I will ride with y'all to the end. Um, go Eagles, Eagle Pride. Uh, shout out to my guys over there. Prove me right, guys. I believe in y'all. I I just hope, guys, that the mindset. You know, after the TCA loss is back to being where, you know, you are dominant. You have the talent to do this. You have it. This is a big game, by the way, and guys over in Fort Worth. We've never played. I never played all since when I was growing up. Never really did it besides playing YMCA ball against some of those guys in like third grade. We have never played each other. This is a first time in a long, long time. And this is exciting because a lot of kids from SES know a lot of kids from all saints. This is a big, big game. And for that reason, I just think the guys have it over there for the Southwest Christian. So give me Southwest Christian, man. Go prove me it right, guys. I want to I want to say one more thing real quick. Jalen Spriggs. I know we don't talk about we really haven't been mentioning his name a lot because this team has been losing, right? Still almost put up three hundred yards passing against Midland Christian. Um, his main receiver was Ryan Kramer. I just, gosh, man, it's like you know. This uh, Jalen, I, I know you're doing what you can do. I know you're, you know, proving well. He scored four touchdowns in total. He scored two through the air and two on the ground. Um, yeah, Jalen, Jalen's doing. He's being the leader for this fourth All Saints team. But yeah, I, I think you're 100 percent right when it comes to the the, uh, the the rivalry. This is the all. This is the Fort Worth game. Um, that has been waiting to happen. And if we're gonna look at any of these games this week, this is the game of the week. If we if you needed a game of the week, this is the game of the week because it's gonna be the closest matchup of all and it's gonna have the most meaning because this is one of the hardest districts and you have to win these games because you can't beat somebody else when it comes down to the rest of the district. Definitely so. So Southwest Christian Walker Lot implores you for personal reasons and due to an act of loyalty, I implore you because I want to win this pick record and take that trophy back home. So that actually will conclude all of the games we are previewing for this episode. And on a grander scale, we'll conclude the episode. So Walker, I'll start with you. Is there anything that you want to hit on before we get out of here? Uh, Another great week. A lot of really good games. Uh, excited to go cover all of them. Be in the live guys like, and also like subscribe, turn on your notifications. So we know it. We're going to put it out around four, seven o'clock each Thursday night. Uh, but yeah, this is going to be a good week of high school football again. Uh, a lot of another good district slate. And also, yeah, for sure, if you have a better best student section, reach out to us. Let us know down below why you think y'all's student section is the best. DM us on the pod or on our actual individual accounts. I'm really excited for that. And we'll talk about it next episode because that's a really cool topic. Because I really do think, like Wes said, I think – I think against some of the bigger 6A schools, I think the private school runs deep. I, after watching St. Thomas and Ken, uh, Bel Air last year where their student section is literally their entire stands. I mean, most schools don't have that. So they come to ready to play, you know, the fan men up in St. Mark's. I mean, super fan men. I mean, there there's a lot of good, good student sections, man. 
Definitely so. Ryan Schroeder, closing comments. Yeah, closing comments real quick, y'all. Keep it short and simple. Like always, make sure to let us know which what uh what the best student section is, but also make sure uh we're we're trying to keep this more on a timely basis. So you'll be seeing these uh you'll be seeing these episodes try to come out at that four o'clock, seven o'clock time on those uh on those uh, Thursday nights, and you'll start to see the articles come out on Tuesday nights. If you haven't already, check out our website, txpsmedia.com. It'll be in the description. It'll be on Twitter. It's everywhere. It's in our link tree. Um, check out that. We have articles coming out every Tuesday and galleries coming out um, every now and then after games. So make sure to check out the website. Make sure to follow us on Twitter. Um, and yeah, and join our spaces after the games. Come on, y'all. That's where the most fun is, is where you can get the most interaction with us. We love talking to people. And finally, we're getting people to talk to us. I feel like we had the most interactions this past week with people coming on and talking. We love when uh, Jordan Green comes on there and lets us know how he feels inside of a Whataburger uh, in Fort Worth. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I agree. Right. Yeah, I heard I heard from the grapevine that that no context account joined, but I must have just missed him. That dude's crazy. I'm going to have to meet the guy that runs that account at some point. But yeah, y'all honestly do need to join the lives. They're, they're really, really fun. It always somehow devolves into just college football talk for the last like 15 minutes of this space. And somehow like there's always like 15 people that stick around and listen to us just rainbow about college football, which is always right. fun. But right. make sure to join the space. Great time every Friday night, roughly 10 to 1030. But with that being said, that is actually all we're going to discuss this episode. So, as always, I've been 130, your hosting crew, Wes Tallis, and Walker Lott and Ryan Schroeder have fantastically been themselves. We will see you in the next episode. See you later. Three, two, one.